We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is Maria Brennan, the president and CEO of the WICT Network, Empowering Women in Media, Entertainment, and Technology, a 10,000-member global nonprofit celebrating over 40 years of serving women in the cable industry. During her time at the WIC Network, Maria works collaboratively with its leaders and stakeholders to steer the organization's strategic vision, resulting in record levels of membership, sponsor support, and program participation. Maria has over 25 years of executive management experience with nonprofits, ranging in size from 20,000 to 33,000 members, with particular expertise in areas of strategic planning, communications, and advocacy. As the public voice of the WIC network, Maria is an experienced spokesperson and advocate for the media industry and diversity, equity, and inclusion. She's frequently quoted as an expert on equal pay issues and work-life integration and has been published many times. Maria is an award-winning writer, board member, commissioner, and has been awarded many honors, including the recent 2022 CableFax Women's Advocacy Champion Award. What I appreciate most about you, Maria, and there's a long list of things, is how you empower women and your positive energy. Welcome to ROG, Maria. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here, especially with you, Shannon. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. This is going to be so fun. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background. Wow, that's so, it's so broad because I've been around for so long. I'll, I'll start this way. I was, I'm was i a native Washingtonian. I was born and raised in Washington, D.C., which is kind of unique because not many people are born here. They're sort of transient, right? So, uh, And my dad was born here. But my mother was born in Greece. So I'm first generation Greek on my mother's side, second generation Greek on my father's side. And he instilled in me such a such an appreciation for our nation's capital, my hometown. So I was raised just very modestly. You know, D.C. to me is like a small town. And I'm lucky because I had no real um, like beacon of light telling me what to do with my career. And um, being in Washington, D.C., most of us do two things. We either work for an administration, you know, Congress, something political, or we work for a nonprofit. And I chose the latter. I've been in the nonprofit space, as you said, for over 25 years. It's so it's so great, Shannon, because you you not only running a business, frankly, but you're also able to have that added important layer of feeling like you're going to leave the world a little bit better a place than when you found it. So for me, it's just been a lot of, um, a lot of hard work, but a lot of fun along the way, you know, family is family and faith are number one, you know, in my book. And, um, the rest of this stuff is just really important. You know, I think, I think I've been quite blessed, frankly, when I look at my, the totality of my life. So, um, I'm grateful. I love that. And so you're saying you didn't 
think you were going to be a nonprofit per se as a young student and thinking about what you want to do with your life and career? I mean, how did that unfold? It's exactly like you said. So back in those days, we're talking about the 1980s, you know, so, so get out your Sony Walkman and have a listen. Um, you know, back in those days, I swear I've raised two daughters. They are so much more focused and they're just more I don't know. I, I I just feel like we grew up in a time where we were a little less, just a little less focused, but still, you know, doing our best to to survive the the universe. Um, so you know, I just started with a series of lower level jobs while I was in college. All of them happened to be inside of nonprofits or organizations that served nonprofits. Just again, there aren't that many sectors of business in DC like you would think. Now there are. But um, so I started as a receptionist back in those days. I mean, it had to be like 1988 or 89, something like that. And um, I loved so many aspects of the nonprofit world and everything from the events and to the mission and the building things and having them come, the lifelong learning, continuing education. So I just stayed on that track. You know, I just stayed on it, you know, and I was very lucky to have a series of great opportunities. And inadvertently, that path led me toward diversity, equity, inclusion, particularly gender diversity, which worked out kind of well because as the daughter of an immigrant and also somebody who's very about equality, was raised quite um, righteous in that regard, you know, it worked out beautifully for me. So, So I sort of, you know, I like to think it was a little bit of divine intervention along with a a ton of grit. (laughs) Yes, well said. (laughs) And, you know, what is the influence of having a a mother who's an immigrant, a first-generation immigrant? I mean, how has that influenced you and your life and your outlook? Well, you know, so when she moved to the States, she didn't speak English and she couldn't read or write, obviously, and she she didn't drive a car. But when she was in Greece, she had, you know, her master's and she was a school teacher and she was very teachers in in her village were, were, were like, were like doctors. I mean, very beloved. So when she came here, it was difficult for her. You know, she had this thick Greek accent. She didn't know the language. Um, you know, Washington DC is not known as like the warmest and fuzziest place in the world. So, um, you know, so she, she struggled and it was interesting to watch her. She became a checkout person at the local grocery store. Um, she just didn't have any ego. She had a lot of, she had a very strong work ethic. She was very proud when she got cashier of the year. We all, you know, all five of her babies, my dad dragged us into the giant food store and all five of our us babies clapped for her when she got her award. So it was nice to see that, you know, here's a woman with, you know, highly educated, came from some good background and just doing what it took to, to raise the kids. You know, my dad worked uh, two or three jobs in any given moment. And, um, you know, in some respects we raised ourselves, but at the same time, we knew clearly that we were loved and we knew clearly that we had a line that we had to tow or, you know, didn't matter how many jobs they had, they'd find us, they'd find us and set the record straight. <laughs> oh yeah. And so just while we're talking about your mom and where she grew up, talk to us about her, the village that she grew up in. Right. I mean, I think that's a really interesting part of your story. Yeah, it is. It is cool. Oh, and the, but one of the best 
moments of my life was taking my daughters to see the village where their yaya grew up. So my mother, you know, we're talking about 1934. And, you know, my mother grew up in a, in a very small fishing village in a, in a place on the, um, on the sea that's called Galifa. It's four hours from Athens. So to get her education, she and my she and my uncle had to go to Athens and live in an apartment without their parents when they were 12 years old, all the way up through, you know, high school and college. So she grew up in this village and it was so primitive back in those days where my grandfather, it sounds like I'm making this up. My grandfather was the mayor of the village. So my papu was the mayor of the village. My mom, her three other siblings and my yaya lived in a small house right on the sea, but they were the first people in the village to have indoor plumbing. Like everybody honestly went to the bathroom and stuff outdoors. If you can imagine, they were also the first house in the village to get electricity. So you can imagine how modest she was brought up, but then imagine by the time we took our daughters there to visit and I spent my summers there, I watched this unfold the town and Greece as a country became very, you know, sort of westernized, you know, the places that we remember as the one room classroom where my mom was a teacher and things like that, they've changed so dramatically that now it's touristy. Having said that, there's still this modicum of um, history, you know, that you can see. and And it was so beautiful to bring my daughters there and really have that full circle moment with them. It was, it was, it was stunning. And I, and I think that's part of the story of, of who I am and, and how I was raised and why I think, you know, it's so important not to judge a book by its cover and to really give everybody, you know, space to thrive. She ended up not being a cashier at Giant for her whole career. She learned the language, she learned to drive, um, and she ended up going into real estate and being remarkably successful. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, so so it's a great story. It's really the American dream. It really it is. It really is. Yeah, it is. A re- this is a remarkable story. I love it. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so, you know, you go through these series of careers, you're learning the nonprofit space, you're finding this compelling that I can work both in industry and make a difference and then that leads you to the WIC network where you're the president and CEO. And everyone who's near and dear to me knows how much I love the WIC network, empowering women in media, entertainment, and technology. Would love to hear you talk to us about WIC and you know your role there and what you love about it. Wow. So I just celebrated my 14th anniversary, which just stuns me, Shannon. Um, there are gosh. so many things I love about it, but I would say that the thing I, I appreciated the most about coming to the WIC network, it was twofold. One, I couldn't believe this is that this is, you know, a re- return on generosity for you, right? You know, I, I had lived my life really focusing on women's issues and coming to the WIC network, you sometimes have to build, I, I don't know what I would call it. You have to build confidence and you have to build a loyalty. I inherited that when I walked in the door. I mean, you were one of the first people and and frankly, the first of many who extended their hand, gave me a hug. We're happy you're here. How can we help? So that was one of the things that I loved so dearly about the organization. And that hasn't changed. There is a loyalty and a love for this 
40 plus year old institution that is, it's hard to explain, but it is magical. You know, it's what community leadership is, is all about. That's one thing. The other thing is a little less, it's a little less nebulous and a little more absolute. And that is, I was so attracted to the fact that this organization commissioned original research to measure diversity and inclusion inside of media companies, including technology companies and entertainment and studios and things like that. That is such a profound uh, undertaking. And it's also such a profound amount of information that you're getting. It's very rare. I mean, that put the WIC network in very rare air. Um, in the media industry, we used to depend on the Annenberg Public Policy Center to give us that kind of information. Um, and then that that went away, you know, and so so having that at our fingertips is not only important for our organization, it's so important for the universe we're in, because if you think about it, Shannon, the media industry, the entertainment industry, I mean, our members, this institution, I mean, affects and sways public opinion, informs, advises, um, you know, they're incredible corporate citizens, the public service campaigns that are undertaken. And this is not only an industry that employs a lot of people and should we should know who's in it. This is also an industry that affects affects the population so profoundly, we have to make sure that it's diverse. We cannot have one voice in media and expect that all the voices feel mm-hmm. heard and understood. So for me, as absolute as that is, that was one of the most important things that WIC did when I got there. And, and uh, it was very important to me that we continue to not only build on that survey, but create offshoots and deliverables from the survey that allowed the industry and our member companies to institutionalize best practices that help them get to equality quicker. Mm. I love this. You're referring to the PAR initiative. I'd love for you to explain more for those who are not yet familiar. And of course, there will be a link in the show notes. Please explain more about the PAR initiative. That's right. PAR stands for Pay Equity, Advancement Opportunities, and Resources for Work-Life Integration. So in order to be on par, you have to have these things. Um, you have to you have to set inside your organization certain practices that allow you to be more inclusive, more diverse, you know. And so what we do is we use a third-party audit firm. In this case, we use PwC, very well-known tremendously reputable. And they go into organizations with a pretty intensive survey that allows them to fill in their survey responses and give us aggregate data, aggregate data that tells us how the industry is faring as importantly, how we fare based on the last time we did the survey and how we fare uh, put up against other industries, right? Because we want to know what the automotive industry is doing. We want to know what the pharmaceutical industry is doing. All these things are important because we need to look to other industries to make sure that we're on par with them as well. And if not on par, what are they doing that's better, different, you know? Uh, um, So it's just a very powerful, it's a very powerful survey. And what we do with the information, aside from having it for our own, um, you know, our, our own information and, and being able to make good decisions based on it, we also give the participants 
PwC gives them this incredible scorecard that shows them all sorts of mapping that they can do to perhaps course correct or build upon something that's successful. It's very powerful. Now, here's the best part about it. It's underwritten by the Walter Cates Foundation. It's a very expensive um, proposition, you can imagine. And ultimately, they underwrite the entire thing. So the participants pay nothing to get it. And the WIC network pays nothing as well because the Cates Foundation is funding it. So it's a pretty tremendous testament to the industry and the Cates Foundation, the National Cable, NCTA, the Internet and Television Association, as they're now named. uh, It's a tremendous testament to how we can collaborate and work together to get to equal faster. And and that's and I think that's what one of the things I love the most about the WIC network when I joined. That is beautiful. Thank you. And thanks for continuing to invest and share and inspire growth because I think it's that measure what matters. Right. So if we're saying that we care about pay equity, we care about advancement opportunities, we care about work life integration, then measure it. How are we doing? What are best practices? And then you know, shout it from a mountaintop, right? What are that's right. And you know, sometimes what you see, and I and I've seen this with other industries and other organizations where I've worked, sometimes what happens is anecdotally, you think you're doing okay. You know, you're you're in the conference room, you see some women, I think there's a few people of color here, you know, we're fine. But the truth is, and you may be, that's right. But the truth is what gets measured gets done. And it, and it's not always appearances that are reality. So what this does is it gives us hard data and it also is able to inform other industries and other organizations. I mean, the hard data has been used by the Obama administration when he was transitioning into office. So, so there's some powerful links to, to what this does and, and why it's important. It, and, and, you know, Shannon, the other thing that's important is this, the survey data allows us to see things like this. There aren't enough women in the C-suite. So now we can take that information as the WIC network and create programs around it. Like, okay, how do we get more women on corporate boards? How do we get more women on publicly traded boards? How do we develop women leaders alongside the member companies and all the work that they're doing internally to develop their leadership? How do we, how do we partner with them to bring, you know, top-notch programs to market so that women are not only ready to lead, but the opportunity is there to give them, um, to allow them to lead. So that's why you see us launch programs with the Stanford Graduate School of Business, launch programs with Harvard, launch programs with the Center for Creative Leadership, build on programs with the Center for Creative Leadership. All of those things are not decisions that are made in a vacuum. They're decisions informed by data because in our world, data is queen, right? I mean, it's it's the, the thing that matters the most. It runs us, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's important, you know, good leadership thinking um, for those listening who are trying to hear what you're saying and think, how could I apply that to my own environment, my own culture? You know, so like, what do you need to measure? What really matters? What would be the signals that you're on track? And like you're saying, don't self-assess don't, by looking around the room. Like that's not, you know, that's a data point, but that's not the data point. <laughs> and I like also how you're measuring it against other industries. And so, you know, 
could you share how well the industry is doing or, you know, where, what are some of the highlights from the research? Absolutely. So here's the, to me, the best part of a comparative, and it's a mixed bag, you know, we're not perfect. We are a work in progress in our industry. Um, so here's what I like about what the data told us the last survey. And that was, um, that was fielded uh, less than two years ago. We field the survey every two years. So the data, this was a particularly important year because we were coming off of this little thing called a pandemic and women suffered exponentially in terms of job loss relative to men. So it was going to be a very interesting year for the PAR survey. And what we discovered was that women actually, we didn't lose ground with women like we thought we were going to with the last survey. We actually gained more women. Critical mass of women increased from 2019 when we last fielded the survey. That was a big deal because I was very nervous that with the great resignation and she session, we lost a lot of women in our industry. And we lost, no doubt, we lost women in the industry. But relative to the last time we fielded the survey, we gained women in terms of critical mass. That was huge. So that was a a celebration point. The other thing was that, and this is why we gained women, we recruited women and people of color at a pace that was more rapid than white males, which is what white males dominate um, the jobs in the industry in general. And in our industry, it's not different. So that was another feather in the cap. And then finally, relative to other industries nationally, women have higher percentages of the clout positions in our industry. And that would be SVP, EVP, C-suite, you know, in some companies it's called managing director. That, that means that we are, we have more echelon positions, those high clout positions than the national average. The way that that plays itself out in real life is that means that when you have women in positions of power, women tend to recruit other women. They tend to have a, um, they tend to have a view the world through a lens that is more family friendly and programs and opportunities that, you know, would appeal to not just women, but men. And so, so that's a good sign. Now, every time I say something good about the data, I have to have to qualify it because we're not popping the champagne bottles yet because there were problem, there were problem areas too. And, you know, briefly, while we recruited at a tremendous pace, uh, we didn't retain at a tremendous pace. So we need to, you know, I call it kind of the leaky bucket syndrome. We have to work really hard to make sure that the critical mass that we gained, we don't lose because of a leaky bucket. You know, if you're bringing in a lot of women, but you're losing them (laughs) exponentially, you're, you're, you know, you got, you got some holes you need to plug up in the bucket. So we share best practices with them. What are policies and procedures and flexibility opportunities that will you tend to keep women in your organization. And Shannon, I have to stop and say this, anything that's good for women, it's also good for men. It's also good for humanity. I mean, you know, it's half the universe. So, and, and, you know, so this isn't all about the females. I promise this is all about don't leave half the universe behind and, you know, let's pull everybody up at the same time. So uh, I think that's an important thing to note. I do too. It's very important to talk about what's good for one is good for all and diverse boards and organizations and leadership teams and everywhere 
elevates everyone. So this isn't not at the cost of, this is, you know, in order for us to be more successful collectively. That's a really important point. So this podcast, as you know, is all about generosity in the workplace. And I think you don't have to look too far to see generosity in your workplace. But curious for those who are maybe not familiar with the WICT network or we don't all get to work there. So tell me where you witness generosity in your workplace. Wow, there's so many places, Shannon. It's it's really incredible. I mean, I'll give you an example. You know, we have 24 chapters around the world. And if a natural disaster strikes, let's say, I mean, those chapter leaders, and they're about 500 of them that volunteer. I mean, there there is a... they are galvanized to come together and work to do whatever needs to be done to help the people in the region that are affected. You know, it's, it's not even, before we can even make a donation to the Red Cross in their name, the chapter leaders have, you know, formed a force in order to, to help for good, you know, so that's kind of a big picture thing. On a smaller note, you will always see people inside of our universe help one another when it's a layoff or when it's a challenge with a manager or, you know, something as, as just the great and the small, you know, you see the camaraderie there so that in the end, this really is a community and it's a community for help and good and positivity. It's not a community for, you know, sadness or sorrow or feeling sorry for oneself. This is a business organization and we work with business leaders. And these are just, these just happen to be women from all different walks of life who have such a loyalty to one another and the organization that a day doesn't go by when there isn't a form of generosity. I, I, I'm, that is not a line that is literal. Every day, that's, you know, I I often say I have the best job in the world because where else can you say that? You know, it's pretty, it's pretty tremendous. It is. It is tremendous. And I love how under your leadership, it has become an international organization. So we can think even more globally around impact and community and how we're supporting each other. And I love how you're talking about the range from the big catastrophic events to those day-to-day just existence of a corporate leader and, you know, we need a safe place to talk. So you have your, your members and your own, you know, chapter or others, and you have the WIC leadership conference where everybody gets together. So it's just a beautiful thing. Um, how about in your own career, Maria, like what, what would be an example of where you've witnessed generosity in your career? Well, you know, I came from American Women in Radio and Television, where I was nine years their president. So you can imagine there's a lot of the same generosity going on there. And and here's the thing to remember, you know, when you're in the diversity space, it's never about more. It's never about us um, and only us. It's really about um, helping the universe get to a place that is equitable for all you know, and, and not to sound too heady, but basically it's, it's the law of the land. So let's just, let's just work together to get there because we ain't there yet. So when you think about where I've been before, you know, AWRT, they're now the Alliance for Women in Media. Before that, 
the International Alliance of Women, and before that, the National Association of Women Business Owners. So there's a theme here, Shannon. <laughs> there's certainly a theme. The generosity is is grand. It's huge. And I can say from the first job I had as a receptionist in a company that did events for nonprofits, I can tell you that the world has changed for the better dramatically and drastically since I first started. And it's a much better, kinder, gentler place for women. And I don't mean that like, Women are looking for kind and gentle. We are shrewd. We are good for business. We are badasses. What I mean is it's a better place to be a badass than it was when I first started. And and I think that's a testament. Right, it's fertile soil. It is. And that's a testament to, you know, not just the work that groups like I've worked in do, it's a testament to a true reality that people do understand that, equality is good for the world. It's good for life. And you know what? We're a business organization. It's good for businesses. Businesses with strong diversity, equity, inclusion tactics, they are, I mean, drop the mic on this one. They have better shareholder value. They have better employee retention. They have less morale problems. They make more money, you know? So drop the mic. That's what it's all about. It's not about just all the goodness that comes from being a good person. It's about the shrewd metrics that make you competitively better uh, than those other companies that that ignore the data. So for those who haven't looked at the data um, and who don't yet see this reality, what are some of the ways that you make the case for creating a more diverse executive team, as an example? Just another great question, Shannon. Um, So here's what we do. And this is, you you lobbed me a softball because now I can plug our website. Go to our website and and it's wicked.org and go there and click in the search field and just just click in there, diversity stats, S-T-A-T-S. And what's going to pop up is this treasure trove of information that makes the business case for diversity, equity, and inclusion, but primarily diversity. And it's going to be everything from our PAR data, our PAR survey, to the Clayman Institute at Stanford, uh, Harvard Business Review, Catalyst, Manita Borg Institute, you name it, you're going to see this treasure trove of information. So it really is apparent that everything in the data is pro diversity and nothing is, it's got nothing in the data says it should be 75% women and 25% men. It's all about, it's all about balance. It's all about 50, 50. If half the world is women and half the world is men, the workforce should be 50, 50. You know, if half the if you know half the universe is male, half is female, then guess what? Half the C-suite jobs should go to women. So it's it's, but not all of them. Nothing in the data says it should be all women. It's all about the balance. So I think for me, seeing that data is very important, and knowing that it makes you a better business when you care about the the obvious um, data and research that points to the positive business benefits of DE&I. And then I think the other thing that's important, Shannon, when we look at things like 
the data is to also recognize and understand that even with all the dryness of the, oh, the data, the data, the research, the research, even with all that dryness aside, you are really talking about human lives, right? So, so why wouldn't you want to have a perspective of the LGBTQ plus community? Why wouldn't you want to have the perspective of, you know, the, the, um, older female versus the younger female. They create this incredible treasure trove of knowledge that one sector could not possibly hold. So, you know, it makes for great programming, makes for great, you know, uh, television, great movies, great cable, all that good stuff. Uh, but it also makes for a really much more informed society. Thank you for collecting all of those tools and resources and putting them in a place that's easy to find. And you're just so generous with your excitement and your enthusiasm for what's possible, but also with your content and what what you're equipping people with so that they can also have an educated conversation or debate on why this matters. And this is why we develop programs like the Rising Leaders Program and the Executive Development Series and and, and, and some of these um, boot camps that we do. You know, it's not just about the C-suite. It's about creating a pipeline of women that are at, that are really ready to be lifelong learners, be great at their job, but also continue their education once they're in their roles so that they have the same sort of advanceability and trajectory that some of the women that made it to the C-suite had. What we hope is that they can get there quicker because we're their partner in helping them develop as leaders. You know, we create women leaders, but we do it together. We do it in collaboration with these companies that support us, um, the HR leaders and the DEI leaders that send their high potential women to our programs. And, you know, it starts with the chapter programs at the local level, and it goes all the way up to, as you know, the, 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 the tip of that iceberg really for us is, is the Senior Executive Summit at Stanford at the Graduate School of Business and everything in between. So you're the president and CEO of an international women's organization. You're a mother of two. There are many who depend on you and rely on you as a friend and a sibling and an aunt. What are, what are some of your best advice? Like you have a lot of Maria-isms <laughs> and be curious to hear some of your best advice for me and our listeners. You know what? I think the best advice I could give people nowadays, and you know, I will say this, advice changes as you, as you um, age and as you experience life's lessons. And I think the greatest gift I could give to anybody is to, is to remind them that life is not designed to be easy. You know, your chances of being here are like, I don't know, one in 400 trillion. Brace yourself because it's tough. You know, you got to earn your your existence in this world. With that being said, oh my goodness, what a gift it is, you know? So just be ready, you know, be gritty and don't let things that knock you back on your heels knock you down. It sounds so cliche, Shannon, but I am telling you the greatest lessons I've ever learned are not from my successes. They are from my failures and I have had plenty of both. So don't be afraid to fail. 
Just make sure you learn from it, pick yourself up and move forward. And don't be afraid to say, hey, I made a mistake. You introduce me to the person who hasn't made a mistake and I'll introduce you to a liar. So, you know, so that, that would be my greatest advice is, is, you know, life is tough. You're going to get knocked back. Don't let it knock you down. And, and you know what? It's also beautiful. Life is quite spectacular. Um, so, you know, there's joy in the journey. Absolutely. That's what I can tell you. Yeah. Thank you. And then I also quote you slash your husband, Michael, which is if you can't get out of it, get into it. (laughs) (laughs) He used to tell that to our girls. Oh, I got a spelling test. I don't want to blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, if you can't get out of it, you may as well get into it. It's such a great, simple, (laughs) and I think he made made it up just spur of the moment. Oh, well, it should be on a t-shirt or it should, I swear, because it's really profound in its simplicity. You know, there are so many things in life, a dinner, you know, a a speech, uh, you know, a a recital, a podcast. podcast. (laughs) Actually, I was looking forward to this. This is the highlight of my week, sister. Um, But, but, you know, there are so many things that we dread, right? Like, like I, I used to spend days and hours dreading the flight to, London to speak for 12 minutes about diversity. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, what a privilege. What a gift. You know, I got to interview Robin Roberts and the greatest thing she said is stress is a privilege. It is because if you're not stressed, you're just not doing stuff. You're not living. I think she got that quote. I could have this wrong, but I think she got it from Billie Jean King. So, I mean, if you aren't stressed, if you aren't moving and shaking and doing and failing and succeeding and laughing and crying, then you're really not living because that's the human experience. It sounds so like this has become such an intense conversation, but you know, life is kind of intense, you know, it's kind of intense and kind of crazy. And, but you know, it's just, it's, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's, Diversity, right? I mean, it's what you say. It's diverse. There's so many different elements to it, which makes it beautiful, right? I think if it was any one thing, it would be boring and predictable. What is it? John Legend says it something like it's it's perfectly imperfect. I think that's a really good way of putting it. So at the end of every episode, I try to give some highlights so people can practice what they've heard in their own work and lives. And one of the things that I love about your story about your mom and your history is to know your roots, know where you come from, you know, give reverence and respect and appreciation for that. And you talked about investing in others, right? Really just like getting to know people, connecting with people, and then the whole measure what matters. I think that's like the title of this episode is measure what matters, like figure out what is it that that I want to measure myself against? What do I want to be outstanding at? And then how could I figure that out? And then I love how it's been going on for so many years because we now have that, that, that body of work, that data. Um, and then I think the whole like, life is not designed to be easy, to that you earn your existence and it's a gift. What else would you add to that, Maria? Gosh, I mean, you know, I think, I think it was, I think you really hit on it too when you said, you know, get to know people around you, you know, and, and not for any other reason, but because they're just so damn interesting. You know, I do want, I do hope we can return to a place 
where we can talk about our differences and celebrate them and agree to disagree in a very compassionate way, not just a tolerant way, but just in a way of compassion and empathy and sympathy. Um, it's a it's a weird, you know, with all the cool things that are happening in the world, like the technology, every, I mean, the way we just came leaps and bounds during the pandemics to stay connected and you know, how, how tremendous all of these platforms are. And now the whole excitement around AI and also the scary side of it and the responsibility part of it and, you know, all the stuff that's going on. It's, it's just, um, it's just negated so severely when we make it about the, the fight and winning and winning the argument instead of just, you know, understanding the plight and then agreeing to disagree, you know, but um, I, I think that's sort of one of those things. I'm still scratching my head, Shannon. And I would, I would kind of ask you the same thing. I like to believe that this too shall pass, but I hope it passes quicker because I think there was a more civil way for discourse than there is now. And I'd like to see us get back there as, as humans. I will say we did get knocked back during the pandemic and we sort of forgot how to get along with one another and how to be civil. Um, I hope we're going to get back there because uh, it's a much better universe when we are open-minded and don't always have to be right. And, um, and another one, and this is Marcus Aurelius, one of the Stoics, it's okay to not have an opinion about everything, right? Like sometimes you can just be okay just listening. You don't always have to know the right answer, you know? There's a little bit of freedom in that, right? Oh, for sure. And I think a missing ingredient that I would love to cast upon the world is curiosity. I think if we had more curiosity, then we don't have to have an opinion. I just want to, I'm curious to learn how you see it that way or how you came to that conclusion, right? And it's not, not that there is a right or a wrong, because I think that there's this misbelief that that there is an absolute right whatever. And it's like so many things are nuanced that we have to appreciate the gray. I think that's so spot on, Shannon. So spot on. Well, thank you for being my friend and for being a guest and for sharing your wisdom. I so appreciate you. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you for being Shannon. You're one of the first people I met. You are our partner in so many endeavors that are important. Mentoring women in technology, mentoring the next generation of leaders, helping our chapters stay online and stay supported and do the tremendous work that they do, helping me as a as a leader and being a sounding board. You've even helped us. You've even come in and helped our team develop as as a cohesive unit. You're you're so special to me, Shannon. I I just absolutely love you and thank you, thank you for all that you do. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Thanks for listening to ROG Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.